Hello and welcome to the Pet Purpose Podcast. This is a podcast for passionate pet parents who want to take pet parenting to the next level. Our audience are always looking for ways to provide the best care for their companions. I'm Brett the Vet, and each episode I will share useful information and key takeouts that you can easily adopt to magnify the care, adventure and excitement that you enjoy by having committed to becoming a dedicated pet parent just like me. This episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast is brought to you by tailovation.com.au. Tailovation is the site for passionate pet parents looking for credible information and quality products for their pets. Visit tailovation.com.au. And you can follow along on socials on both Instagram and Facebook at Tailovation. It's tails up to that. In today's episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast, we're going to be talking about rodenticide toxicity or rat poison in our pets. So let's jump straight in. What do you say about that, boy? Now of late, there's been a bit in the media about the mouse plagues in certain parts of Australia. It's actually been quite amazing to see some of the footage of this where there's literally mice swarming over the roads and across the ground. It's, it's almost like uh, a river of rodents. So firstly, what is causing this rodent outbreak? Well, fairly recently there's been some severe droughts in parts of Australia. And with the break in the drought, the rain has led to the land recovering. And there's been lots of good crops and vegetation. And these bumper crops and vegetation provide an abundance of food and nesting areas for mice. And together with some warm weather, this then allows them to flourish to the extent that there's been a plague. Now, what makes it even more ideal for the mice is that many of the crops need to be stored. And the storage of crops obviously allows for a surplus of good food and shelter. It's almost like Uber Eats and Airbnb in oversupply for these little mice. And hence the, the mouse explosion. Now, lots of rodents means lots of rodent poison being used in order to try and control the outbreaks. And that unfortunately means that our pets are more at risk of being exposed to these poisons. However, it doesn't necessarily require a plague for our pets to be exposed. I mean, rodent poisons or rodenticides are commonly used around households to control pests, which means that we should always be on the lookout for potential pet poisonings. Now, there's various ways to control rodents. Um, we're going to focus our attention on rodent poisons because these are the poisons which can inadvertently be ingested by our pets. And if we understand what they're doing in the rats or mice, then we will get an idea of what would happen if our pet were to consume the poison. And we're therefore more armed with what signs of illness to look out for so that our pets can get immediate veterinary care when required. Now it's the direct consumption of poison which was intended for the rodent, uh, which is most the, the most common way that our pets get poisoned. Or alternatively, it could be secondary poisoning due to the ingestion of poisoned mice or rats. Uh, because when rats and mice start feeling the, the effects of the poison, they start becoming ill and lethargic and they are more easy for our dog or cat to catch them and obviously consume them. And this is known as secondary toxicity or relay toxicity. Now secondary poisoning is far less common uh, form of poisoning for our pets uh, 
the main way our pet would get poisoned is by eating the rat poison directly. Alright now there are various chemicals that we use to kill rodents and they are collectively known as rodenticides. I'm sure we've all heard of the name pesticides um, and these are products that are used to kill pests. Well rodenticides are chemicals used specifically to kill rodents and there are chemicals such as zinc phosphide or bromethylene or cholecalciferol and there's anticoagulants and each of these chemicals have different effects on the body and result in different signs seen in the affected animal be it the target animal such as the mouse or in collateral damage in a non-target animal such as our pet dog or cat the anticoagulants generally tend to be very common rodenticides that are used so let's focus our attention on them First of all, how do these anticoagulant poisons work? Well, the body is uh, an amazing thing and there are certain uh, elements in our bodies which prevent us from hemorrhaging spontaneously or bleeding indefinitely if we were to injure ourselves, such as you know, if we were to scratch ourselves or cut or bump ourselves. And these things are proteins known as clotting factors. You might have heard of some people that are hemophiliacs. Well, haemophilia is uh, it's a genetically inherited disease where there are insufficient amounts of certain clotting factors in the body. And these people are at risk of uncontrolled bleeding due to a lack of these clotting factors. Now, if we didn't have clotting factors in our, in our bodies, our blood would be almost like water. Um, imagine for a moment filling up a balloon with water. Uh, if you were to pierce a water-filled balloon with, um, with a pin, uh, assuming it didn't burst, the water would continue to drip out of the hole in the balloon until there was no water left. Well, in a similar way, if our blood didn't have cl the clotting factors um, and, we and we injured ourselves, let's say we cut ourselves, then our blood would continue to bleed out indefinitely. And it doesn't necessarily have to bleed out to the exterior of our bodies. It could also bleed into body cavities, such as into the chest or into the abdomen. And unless our blood is actually within the blood vessels themselves, then it's actually no good to us at all. So in a nutshell, without these clotting factors, we would bleed to death. And this is exactly what happens when a rodent eats an anticoagulant type of rat poison. And that's because in the body the clotting factors are produced by the liver. However, they are not produced in an active form. They actually need to be activated or switched on in order to function properly. Now vitamin K is a vitamin that is required in the activation process. You can think of vitamin K as the on switch. And it's the chemicals in the rat poison that antagonize or prevent the vitamin K in our bodies from working. In other words, the rat poison breaks the switch. It prevents the switch from working. So no vitamin K means no clotting, and that means bleeding to death. Um, not nice at all. Now the anticoagulant um, rodent poisons are available as shorter acting and also available as longer acting products. The longer acting or second generation anticoagulants have gained more popularity of late, 
because there's less resistance by the rodents to these products compared with some of the shorter acting anticoagulants like warfarin. If you look at your hardware store or if you look at your local supermarket, you'll more often than not find the longer acting versions. So you'll see active ingredients such as bromodialone and brodifacum. Now, bromodialone is also the chemical that is currently being proposed for approval by regulators in Australia for widespread use in the control of the recent mouse outbreaks. Um, Brodifacum uh, is the active chemical that's commonly found in some of the brands of rat poisons such as Ratsac or Mortine. Um, wherever you live, you might have a different brand name on, on your shelves. Just check on the product packaging for what the active ingredient is um, because it will be listed there. And these long-acting anticoagulants, they remain in the rodent's body for longer. And as mentioned, uh, rodents also tend to have less resistance to them compared to the shorter-acting anticoagulants like warfarin. And you may have, you, you might recall the name warfarin as a, as a blood thinner uh, that, that is used in humans. So now that we know how the rat poison kills the rat or mouse, we can now appreciate what it would be doing to our dog or cat if they were to inadvertently consume it. It would obviously wreak the same havoc in their bodies too. So how would a, a pet get poisoned intended for a rat? Well, if the poison is in reach of a dog or cat, they are likely to consume it. So we need to make sure that any poisons that are put out for rodents are not accessible to pets or accessible to children for that matter. Now, if you, if you know that your pet has just eaten some rat poison, you should get your pet straight to your family vet without delay so that they can induce vomiting to bring up the poison and get it out of the body before too much of it is absorbed. Uh, your vet might also administer things that might help slow down the absorption of the poison into the body. And they might start treatment with an antidote uh, uh, straight away as a precaution. However, more often than not, you will not necessarily see that your pet has in, in fact eaten the poison. You, you don't necessarily see them in the act of consuming it. Um, so it will not necessarily be evident that your pet ate some poison. And in those instances, you'll only notice a problem when your pet starts becoming unwell. Now, exactly how unwell your pet becomes will, of course, depend on how much poison they consumed. So let's consider what would you see if your pet started becoming unwell as a result of consuming rat poison? Well, it's not immediate. In around two to five days after ingesting the poison, the signs of illness start becoming evident. And these include things such as slowing down, because remember, blood carries oxygen around the body, and without enough oxygen, um, well, first of all, without enough blood, there's not enough oxygen to be carried around our bodies, and then our bodies start becoming weak. And so our, our dog or cat may appear pale in the gums due to the anemia, they may appear pale in the mucous membranes due to the anemia, and you may even notice bleeding spots on the skin or gums which might appear as tiny little red pinprick spots or dots 
or there may be larger spots of bleeding or bruising under the skin uh, and on the gums. There could even be bleeding from the nose. Uh, there could be vomiting up of blood or perhaps even black stool due to digested blood passing out of the intestinal tract. Now remember that some but not necessarily all of these signs may be evident in an affected pet. So just keep an eye out for uh, um, some of them. Now your vet would also run some blood tests to see if there are any delays in the normal clotting times of your pet's blood. And they would also from the blood results be able to determine how much blood your pet has lost. In other words, how anemic they are and whether or not they require a blood transfusion. And the, the physical signs, in addition to the blood test findings, they, they may all be suggestive of rodenticide poisoning. And in those instances, your vet would start your pet on vitamin K treatment as the antidote. And this may be started as uh, an injection, and then it may be followed up uh, in the oral form, so given orally thereafter. And remember, it's the vitamin K that is required in order to switch on or produce the active clotting factors in the body. Now, the thing is, this doesn't happen immediately following the start of treatment with a vitamin K. It, it actually could take a number of hours, up to 12 hours or more, before active and functioning clotting factors start becoming available again in the body. And in that time, if the pet was in a critical condition, it could actually die. So in those instances, the pet would need either a blood transfusion or a plasma transfer. Now, whole blood has all of the red blood cells and the clotting factors one finds in blood, whereas plasma, it doesn't have the red blood cells, but it does have the necessary clotting factors, and this would help stop the bleeding. So a poisoned pet may need either whole blood or plasma. Now, at present, there does appear, unfortunately, to be a shortage of blood and plasma in some areas of Australia. So if any of you are listening to this episode and you have a larger breed dog that you think might be able to act as a donor for blood, then please contact your vet um, to discuss this with them. Now, remember that these anticoagulant rat poisons are long-acting which means that they have their negative effects in the body for a, a prolonged period of time. And so this may mean that the vitamin K antidote needs to be given for a number of weeks. And the way your vet would know if they have given uh, the vitamin K antidote for long enough would be by testing to check that the blood is clotting well. So if it does, once they've discontinued or ceased the vitamin K treatment if, and they do blood tests, if it does not appear that the blood is clotting adequately, then the treatment of vitamin K would need to be extended for an additional number of weeks. It would also be wise to keep an, an affected pet quiet and warm during this time. For example, you wouldn't want them moving around excessively, which could predispose them to more bleeding and bruising and putting themselves under more stress when they are already low on blood. All right, so how would we prevent our pets from getting poisoned with rodenticide in the first instance? Well, obviously, avoidance is, of course, the best approach. So try and not use rodent poisons unless you have to. 
And this is not only due to the risks that they pose to our pets, but also due to the risks that they pose to other non-target animals in the environment, such as other forms of wildlife, and also because they can potentially contaminate our environment as well. Now, just because you may not necessarily be putting out rodent poison doesn't necessarily mean your neighbor isn't, for example, using them. So always bear that in mind, that your pet could uh, come into contact with, with poisons from other sources. Consider instead um, the other forms of rodent control, such as the mechanical traps, which do not pose a risk to our pets or to our environment. Now, if you do have to use a poisoned uh, rat bait, then make sure your pet is not able to get at it. So remembering also that cats can climb readily and get into quite often inaccessible places. So it's always best, best to put the poison in, a, in special containers known as bat, uh, uh, rather bait stations. Um, and these bait stations are designed to harbor the poison so that the poison is accessible to the, the, the rats and mice. But it's not accessible to our dogs and cats or, or to children. So uh, our dogs and cats and, and children are not able to get to the poison inside the bait station containers. And that's the best way to put out some of these poisons. Now there's also other ways to control rodents, such as um, natural predators like snakes and birds of prey, such as owls and hawks. But obviously in plague situations and, and scenarios like we're having in, in some parts of Australia, these natural predators are unlikely to be able to match the, <laughs> the overabundance of, of the prey. Um, what we need is, is to control the plague is some sort of biological control that would involve a species-specific pathogen or disease that could help control you know, these, these mice um, or, or uh, potentially a product that could be delivered to the rodents via a bait that would be safe for other animals, yet that would help reduce the fertility of the mice and therefore reduce the offspring um, from these rodents. But nevertheless, um, those, uh, those avenues may not be available. So in the meantime, it will take a reduction in the food sources and in the nesting environments. And with the colder weather of winter, that may also help start stemming the overpopulation. And of course, uh, there will continue to be the use of poisons. And therefore, unfortunately, it also will continue to pose a potential risk for, for our pets. Okay, poor audience, so let's sum up this Arsmelorat episode. Uh, there are different types of rat poisons, all with different modes of action on the body. Commonly used rodenticides are the long-acting anticoagulants, which result in bleeding to death when consumed in sufficient amounts. Now, our pets can inadvertently get exposed to the poisons that are put out for rodents. And signs such as weakness, lethargy, bleeding under the skin, and poor blood clotting test results, these are all uh, indicative and supportive of a poisoning with an anticoagulant type of rodenticide. And it can take a number of days after consuming the poison before these signs start presenting. 
So do not wait for signs to appear. If you think your pet has eaten a rodent poison, be it an anticoagulant type of poison or any other type of rodenticide poison, then get them seen to by your vet immediately. And if you have a large placid dog that you think could potentially be a good blood donor, then please reach out to your vet to discuss this as a possibility and your pet could potentially help save another pet's life. This episode of the Pet Purpose Podcast was brought to you by tailovation.com.au. Tailovation is the site for passionate pet parents looking for credible information and quality products for their pets. Visit tailovation.com.au and follow on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at tailovation. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for being such a great audience. Please go ahead and share this episode with other passionate pet parents and do your bit to help create happy, healthy pets. If we can save just one pet from the nasty effects of rodenticides, then this episode would have been well worthwhile. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a review. Remember, you're awesome and your pet thinks so too. It's tails up to that. Wouldn't you agree, boy?